0: Now I have a challenge. I'm supposed to read all of this in one breath. I don't think I'm going to make it. But you have a challenge. You can see how many words I mess up as we go through. So it serves two purposes. One, if I read fast, you'll still be reading along. And two, you'll be paying attention. So it works well for me and works well for you. But let us go to Exodus, chapter 29, verse 22. It's on page 70 of the Pew Bible. You shall also take the fat from the ram, and the fat tail, and the fat that covers the entrails, and the long lobe of the liver, and the two kidneys, with the fat that is on them, and the right thigh, for it is the ram of ordination. And one loaf of bread, and one cake of bread made with oil, and one wafer out of the basket of unleavened bread that is before the Lord. You shall put all these things on the palms of Aaron, and on the palms of his sons, and wave them for a wave offering before the Lord. Then you shall take them from their hands, and burn them on the altar on top of the burnt offering, as a pleasing aroma before the Lord. It is a food offering for the Lord." You shall take the breast of the ram of Aaron's ordination and wave it for a wave offering before the Lord, and it shall be your portion. And you shall consecrate the breast of the wave offering that is waved and the thigh of the priest's portion that is contributed from the ram of ordination from what was Aaron's and his sons. It shall be for Aaron and his sons as a perpetual due from the people of Israel, for it is a contribution. It shall be a contribution from the people of Israel from their peace offerings, their contribution to the Lord. The holy garments of Aaron shall be for his sons after him. They shall be anointed in them and ordained in them. The son who succeeds him as priest, who comes into the tent of meeting to minister in the holy place, shall wear them seven days. You shall take the ram of ordination and boil its flesh in a holy place. And Aaron and his son shall eat the flesh of the ram and the bread that is in the basket in the entrance of the tent of meeting. They shall eat those things with which atonement was made at their ordination and consecration. But an outsider shall not eat of them, because they are holy. And if any of the flesh for the ordination or of the bread remain until the morning, then you shall burn the remainder with fire. It shall not be eaten, because it is holy. Thus shall you, you shall do to Aaron and to his sons, according to all that I have commanded you. though seven days you, shall you ordain them, and every day you shall offer a bull as a sin offering for attainment, atonement. Also, you shall purify the altar when you make atonement for it and shall anoint it to consecrate it. Seven days you shall make atonement for the altar and the consecrated, and the altar shall be most holy. Whoever touches the altar shall become holy. Now this is what you shall offer on the altar, two lambs a year old, day by day, regularly. One lamb you shall offer in the morning, and the other lamb you shall offer after twilight. And with the first lamb, a tenth seah, of fine flour, mingled with a fourth of a hin of beaten oil, and a fourth of a hin of wine for drink offering. The other lamb you shall offer at twilight, and shall offer with the grain offering and its drink offering, as in the morning, for a pleasing aroma a of food offering to the Lord. It shall be a regular burnt offering throughout your generation at the entrance of the tent of meeting before the Lord, where I will meet with you to speak to you there. There I will meet with the people of Israel, and it shall be sanctified by my glory. I will consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar. Aaron also and his sons I will consecrate to serve me as priests. I will dwell among the people of Israel and be the, and will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God, who brought them out of the land of Egypt, that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Excellent. Thank you.
1: Let's pray. Lord God, you've called us to be a Christ-centered and Bible-based church. And sometimes reading the Bible is difficult and confusing and strange to our ears. And yet, Lord, we want to come to your word because we know you have a word for us. And so, Holy Spirit, speak to us. Insight, Lord, into your holy word this hour. Amen. Just two weeks before Holy Week... Are you getting ready? A lot of preparations going on around here at Neal's for this very special week uh, leading into Easter, Palm, beginning with Palm Sunday. We've had announcement after announcement, all the things that are coming up for Holy Week. Now in the Bible, there are three Holy Weeks recorded. The first was creation, Genesis 1 and 2, Almighty God, the Creator, Creating the universe and everything here in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. And of course, we have the holy week of our Lord's completed mission, his death and resurrection, seven days that changed everything. So we have a holy week at the beginning, and a holy week that we will celebrate soon that happened 2,000 years ago. And here in Exodus chapter 29, 1,400 years before Jesus, our high priest, prophet, and king, completed his mission, we have recorded a third holy week. Seven days of ordination for the Lord's first priests, those men first sent on mission from God. Now, last week, Pastor Derek uh, covered the first half of the chapter, and here we're looking at the second half that Adam Uh, clearly read to us, I'm going to attempt to explain the whole chapter this morning about that Holy Week, and it's my prayer and hope that you'll see insights not only to the impact of that Holy Week there and then, but the importance, in fact, the great significance and relevance of that passage here and now, and for the Holy Week we will celebrate in a number of days. Let's back up to the beginning of this sermon series. We only have this Sunday and next Sunday to conclude this series. We started back in Exodus 25. God had been giving Moses the plans for constructing his mobile sanctuary, the tabernacle. God showed his prophet how to build it, how to put it together. He told him the pieces of the furniture to create and how to equip the inside of the tent of meeting and the outside courtyard. We've learned that every meticulous element was rich with symbolism for worship. It was pointing pointing to the restoration of creation lost, that first Holy Week, towards a new creation in Christ. Christ, the final temple, that special Holy Week. And then we read how the Lord God called Moses to have Aaron, his brother, and his sons be the first priests to serve in the tabernacle. We read about what they were to wear, and here in chapter 29, how they were ordained. And So we're going to get into all the details and the entrails of this sacred, special series of ceremonies. Uh, Today, we had the ordination of Doris at this service, and and Tamara at the first service, uh, two women of God of different generations coming forth to serve as deacons in our church. These sisters in Christ were nominated, examined, elected. They answer ordination questions, and then the elders laid hands on them in prayer. Fairly sweet and staid and sedate and sanitized compared to Exodus chapter 29. Wouldn't you agree? But God had a plan for Aaron and his sons, A far more elaborate week of worship. And in this text, if you still have your Bibles open to chapter 29, I see five worship elements for their ordination in this chapter. We're going to look at all five elements, and then we're going to go back and see how are they relevant and important in our own walk with Christ, in our salvation, and in our own ordination to serve the Lord. So first, you can keep a note on the track on the screen here. First, we read in verse 4 that they were ceremonially washed with water. Which would make sense. It's pretty dirty out there in the wilderness and desert. Uh, you can imagine they needed a good scrubbing before uh, the start of their special offset of this week. So they had to be ceremonially washed. Second, they were robed with sacred garments that we read about in chapter 28. Aaron wearing the the ephod, the breastplate of of judgment, the special turban, and and the solid gold plate on the front saying, holy to the Lord. We can read about that again here in verses 5 and 6 and 8 and 9. Third, the soon-to-be priests were anointed with oil. And in the next chapter, God's going to give Moses the recipe for this oil. This was sacred, holy oil not to be shared or passed around, and certainly not packaged and sold. It was holy to the Lord. The fourth element we're going to linger on for just a few moments because it's such an important element, and also because it's an element that happened each of those seven days. They were sprinkled with blood. Within this ceremony, there were three different animal sacrifices. So bear with me. Why why so much sacrifice? Well, the the soon-to-be priests were washed up, dressed up, and oiled up, smelling and looking good on the outside, but their inward spiritual condition was still unclean before the Lord. You remember a few weeks ago, we talked about the the holy garments that were like the, the Faraday suit that those linemen that work up in the power lines have to wear. The clean suit that sometimes we see those that work in a, a clean space have to wear. That is the outside. But what about the internal condition? Something had to be done about the guilt of their sin in order for them, listen, to serve the Almighty God before his holy tabernacle. The priests were not fully consecrated until there was a sacrifice of atonement. And there are three different sacrifices. The first is, is a sin offering, a bull brought forth. And each day the priest would lay their hands on the bull, imputing their sin, transferring their spiritual condition as an atonement. This is, this is grisly stuff. But, but every detail has significant meaning this transfer of their sins onto the animal. The, the, the burning of the remains, the removal of the dirtiest parts outside the city. We'll come back to that outside of the tent, I should say, the, the encampment. That's the first one, this, this sin offering. Then a ram was also sacrificed, and its blood was, was sprinkled. Actually, what does the text say? It says it was thrown against the side of the altar, and the remains were also burned. This was called the whole burnt offering so the priest's internal condition needed to be dealt with but also the space needed to be made sacred and dedicated completely to the lord now we sort of skipped over this last one last week there was a third sacrifice of a ram the marking of of blood on the on the earlobe of the priest on their big thumb and on their big toe did anyone miss this i was waiting derek what, what is that about Well, think with me for just a moment. It's in verse 20. The marking of one's earlobe, thumb, and big toe. This was to show that from head to toe, these priests were 100% dedicated to the service of the Lord. That when they would hear the word of the Lord, it would be sanctified. They would hear God's word and only speak God's word. That their hands would be used for ministry and service, and not for their own use, but for the use of the people, that their feet would go wherever the Lord directed. So from head to toe, they were completely 100% on board with the mission God was calling them to. And the fifth element that we read this morning, and this might be, I think, the easiest for us to understand at Nealsville, the priests were fed. Why do I say that's easy? Well, for two reasons. Number one, Nielsville loves to eat. We throw on a great party, don't we? A great spread like our Easter brunch coming up. We also know how to take care of our staff. and You take care of me as your pastor. And that's what's represented here. Look at verses 22 to 25. It says that they gave what was considered by, by them the best parts of the animal. Now, bear with me. They thought these were the best, the most juiciest, fattest parts of the sacrifice. They were given to the Lord. It says there was a wave offering that the bread and the meat, we don't know if it was lifted up or waved, whatever it was, but what does it represent? It means the very best, the most choice, the first fruits were given to the Lord, were dedicated to God, just as we celebrate the collection of, every Sunday, of our tithes and offerings. And then the priests sat down and enjoyed a feast and a meal before the tent of meeting. Just as you support your staff, your pastors, the ministries of the church. We know this one so well. This was also an integral part of the ceremony. So a seven-day worship service for ordination They were washed with water, robed in garments, anointed with oil, sprinkled with sacrificial blood that represented life. And after giving thanks, they sat down to eat a special meal of meat and sacred bread before the tent of meeting. And here's the turning point. How this ceremony reveals the spiritual truths of our own salvation in Jesus Christ and his call on your life and mine to Christian service especially for this upcoming holy week listen each of the elements of the tabernacle point to jesus christ so too each of the steps of ordination symbolize different elements of what happens to you and me when we are born again when you're saved you receive salvation in jesus christ each of these elements happen it's a transaction that happens spiritually so watch the screen. The priests were washed for the ceremony, and we are purified by the waters of baptism, the washing away of our sins, being cleansed by God, and the forgiveness of our sins when we ask him to come and change us. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. And having our bodies washed with pure water. The washing of the water points towards the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. We are washed. Now the priests were were robed, weren't they? Well, we are sanctified in Christ's righteousness. Righteousness. God washes away our sins, and then the Bible says that that we are then clothed in Christ's perfect righteousness. What does that mean? It means internally something happens, and even externally people begin to see a difference in us. We begin to look like, because we are even clothed like, Jesus Christ. The Bible says all of you who were baptized into Christ have been clothed, Yourselves with Christ, Galatians 3, 27. So it's going to be okay, sweetheart. It's going to be okay. So the priest's sacred garments symbolize their, their holiness before God. It takes holiness to stand before God lest you die. You must be dressed appropriately to stand in the presence of Almighty God. Jesus told so many parables about the kingdom of God. And he said, Many parables about the kingdom of God is like a wedding feast, Matthew 22, where all the guests are invited. Not only do you need to accept the invitation, but what else? You need to be dressed for the party. You need to be appropriately dressed and prepared for the celebration. Jesus said, If you are not dressed for the wedding, that is, if you are not sanctified, by Christ, covered by spiritual clothing of Christ that fits you, a change in your life that's visible to all, he said that you and I would have no place in the kingdom. The priests then were anointed with fine-smelling olive oil, but you and I are anointed with the Holy Spirit. 1 John 2.20 Anointed by the Holy One, and you all know the truth. That truth is not simply Bible knowledge truth, although that's a certainly an important thing. It is being anointed for the sacred service of the Lord. And then what happened next? The priest laid hands on these animals, right? They, they watched what happened to that poor bull. Is exactly what they thought would happen to themselves if their sin condition was not dealt with true then true now today absolutely to realize they were the ones and we are the ones who ought to die but by the grace of god that justifies by an atoning sacrifice that pays our bill that covers our tab we lay our hands on the perfect spotless Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We lay hands on Jesus by faith. The one who went to the shameful cross. Where was he crucified? Inside the city, no outside. Just as the offering that was the dirtiest part burned outside, it was so distasteful. He went to that degree of humiliation for your sake and the sake of the sins of the world. 2 Corinthians 5:21. Steve included this in his prayer of adoration, "God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, that we might be justified before the Lord, spiritually consecrated at the foot of the cross." Finally, once they'd gone through the ceremony, the priests then, and you and I today, as the priesthood of all believers, the Bible calls us, were consecrated to holy service in communing with him in the Lord's Supper. Consecrated to come and experience new life. And this is what changes everything. To experience all these things in Christ is to experience His life and His offer of forgiveness and peace and love and joy and most of all, access to God. It is freely offered to all who will come and trust in Jesus Christ and Jesus alone as Lord and Savior and treasure and high priest and the final temple. He alone washes us clean, He alone robes us in righteousness anoints us with his spirit, atones for our sins, and welcomes us as his friends. When God had done all these things in Exodus 29, this was for the ordination of the priests. And today, we speak of our own ordination. Not just Doris or Tamara, but you as well. This last slide. This is the big picture of This whole series of messages where the Lord says to to Moses why he's done this. Why he wants them to be sanctified for his glory. Consecrating the tent of meeting and these priests that he might dwell with the people. And then he says, and they shall know that I am the Lord their God. Who brought them out of the land of Egypt. That I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. Your God. Christian, every one of you is made holy and holy for the Lord. To serve Him by serving one another, by loving one another, by caring for the hurting, by touching the outcast, by driving down to Silver Spring and swinging a hammer or cleaning up after all the dirty work, by interceding through prayer, putting your hands into the mix and getting a little dirty by going forth with your feet, by serving in our community, by being blessed to be a blessing. That sounds beautiful, doesn't it? And sweet. Blessed to be a blessing. But the reality is, listen, our duty is a matter of life and death. Friends, we can sanitize the truth so that it doesn't make us squeamish. We can skip the hard passages. We can attempt to domesticate God and make his warning of judgment and hell sound hollow. Well, that was for the old days. We don't talk about those things anymore. But this is the reality. If you have been purified, sanctified, anointed, justified, and consecrated, then you are not your own. You have been bought With a price. And the Lord Jesus Christ, if you call him Lord, has called you forth to fulfill the mission that he has set you on. Hebrews 9 13 and 14 says, With the old way of worship, the blood and ashes of animals uh, could make men clean after they had sinned. How much more the blood of Christ will do. He gave himself as a perfect gift to God through the Spirit that lives forever. Now your heart can be free from the guilty feeling of doing work that is worth nothing. Now you can work for the living God. This Holy Week is not simply a calling of your staff and your pastors and our volunteers. It's a calling of each and every one of us. So let me ask the question again. 14 days out, are you getting ready for Holy Week? say, yeah, well, I think we'll be in town. I guess we'll come to a Good Friday service and and make it to one of the services, but are you getting ready? So it's my challenge to you today to please get ready to serve. Number one, right now, think of three people you want to invite to church and write their names down in your bulletin. Three people in your life that you'd say, "I, I, I would pray, Lord, that these individuals, or maybe they represent a whole family, I pray that the the Andersons, or the Martinez, or whomever it is, that they would come to church with me. Number two, this is for next Sunday. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. We're going to come and be fed. I'd encourage you uh, to tithe to the church. Our church is such a generous church, and your giving is so rich and, and such a blessing. But if you see this first quarter into the year, you know, I've fallen back on my giving. I, I had pledged, and I missed a few Sundays. Make an effort and a plan. I will give my first fruits the first Lord's Day of the month of April to the ministry of the Lord. Give a tithe and an offering to God. Number three, on Palm Sunday in two weeks, we're going to have a stack of invitation cards for you to pick up. I'd like you to pick up some of those cards, and there's a place for you to uh, write someone's address and s- put a stamp on it, mail it out to those friends or hand deliver it to them, saying, I'd love for you to come to my church during Holy Week. And as the priest had an offering day and night, we're not going to have that kind of, kind of offering. I, I'd like to ask you to pray day and night, the week of Holy Week, in the morning and in the evening for the coming of Easter Sunday. And finally, and lastly, on Easter Sunday, When you come to celebrate with our church family, and hopefully you come with some friends, and at least you've invited them, you've tried your best, I'd invite you all. In fact, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to deputize everyone here. You are now solemnly deputized as ushers and greeters for Easter Sunday. That means parking a little bit further in the back if you can so that those choice front row seats and parking spots are left for our first-time guests. It means reaching out to those folks that you know are coming for the first time, maybe wearing a name tag on that Sunday. It means welcoming them in and connecting with them and helping them say, you know, we know our pastor's a little crazy. He's talking too long, but but this is a great church. We want you to come back. We're all part of this together. The ultimate purpose of the tabernacle was to bring glory to God's holy name by saving and sanctifying his people so he would dwell with them. May this coming Holy Week be our most special and sacred week together ever. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we can lay hands on you in prayer. By faith, Lord, we can cling to you and to your cross. Lord God, we give you great thanks for the vision that you've laid before us of the church and the calling forth of of men and women to serve in ordained ministry that we've experienced today and we've seen how it connects, Lord, but not only to those that are especially called, but to all of us. We're all called forth. So God, may we take this challenge today and that we would be prepared together as a church for this holy week coming very soon. We give you great thanks, Lord. Be it our vision, O Lord of our heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Lord, we pray as you taught us, saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Friends, let's,